The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the eighth Doctor Big Finish audio story, The Time of the Daleks. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel is Father Cory Stika. Hey, Father Cory. Now, is the time of the remembrance of the the, the time of the <laughs> the war, of the Daleks, <laughs> uh, you know, the evil Dalek? It's know, yeah, it's always the blank of the Daleks of some sort. Uh, the <laughs> evil the Daleks was most recent, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, folks, be sure to write an Apple Podcast review of the Secrets of Doctor Who and share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community and reach more Doctor Who listeners, especially in this 60th anniversary year of Doctor Who, where. I think we're going to get lots more people paying attention to Doctor Who, and they're going to be looking for a Doctor Who podcast. And recommend this one, please. And another show on the StarQuest Network you are certain to enjoy is called PlayStation Portable. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash PSP. So we are talking about this eighth Doctor Big Finish story, Time of the Daleks. And since Jimmy's not here... I'm going to give you my recap. We'll see how it goes. Mm. <laughs> the Eighth Doctor and Charlie are traveling in the TARDIS when they get jolted by a disturbance in the time vortex, after which the Doctor realizes Charlie doesn't know who William Shakespeare is. When he investigates, he finds that there's a time fissure that starts in the 2050s and travels back to the 16th century time of Shakespeare's life. So they travel to the 2050s where the Euro Wars are over. And General Mariah Learman is now ruling Britain under martial law. She's also a huge Shakespeare nerd, like totally quoting him everywhere like an annoying fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> and she's been working on a time machine, as you do, and has gotten help recently from some Daleks who recently showed up after having a little trouble of their own in the time vortex. Now, Learman's martial law rule is facing a rebellion aided secretly by her own niece, Viola, and the scientist building her time machine, which consists of portals through mirrors. At the same time, more and more people in the world of the 2050s are forgetting the existence of Shakespeare, which the rebels have been using as a symbol of their rebellion. The Shakespeare has been their symbol. Turns out the Daleks are using Learman to effect their own plan to implement a temporal extinction device that will destroy time as we know it and put them in charge from the beginning of time. Their first attempt had failed, stranding them on Earth with Learman, and now their second attempt is attached to Learman's plan to go back and save Shakespeare. But she's not really interested in sh saving Shakespeare. She wants to kill him but save all his works for her to love and appreciate for her own. She is quite mad. The Doctor and Charlie show up in the middle of all this, get involved in the usual shenanigans of being captured, being forced to help the Daleks, but really working to undermine them, and so on. At one point, Charlie travels back with Viola to the 1500s, and then back to the 2050s, and in the end, it turns out that Charlie herself is the key to Learman's time travel, and the whole problem of the time fissure is due to her being the time paradox, which we've talked about since her arrival with the Eighth Doctor. The, the Daleks don't realize this, and that ends up destroying the Daleks and Learman who's herself, who the Daleks have converted into a Dalek pilot to replace their own. The end. So, uh, <laughs> your overall impression of this story, Father Corey? You know, it's 
confusing, I think is a good word. I, I kind of enjoyed it. What I could, you know, could follow. Part of the problem is because this is audio only, you don't have the visual cues that can sometimes clear up a lot of confusion. Yes. Add to that, that this is a time travel, multiple location, multiple things going on at different locations and different areas and different people. And it just, I found it to be kind of a confusing mess um yeah i could could follow the storyline more or less but was the doctor in the hall of the mirrors or was he in the (laughs) office that was being used as a prison cell or was he in the kitchen with the knife or the (laughs) candlestick in the library with colonel mustard (laughs) Mustard, or was he you know was he in the past because they go back to shakespeare's time briefly and oh by the way shakespeare comes forward with them as a boy and Right. It, it it was a story that would have, I think, would have done better visually with a yes. visual component. And that just got confusing because you had to be listening to clues that they gave as part of the dialogue. You had to be listening to the background noise. Obviously, the Dalek ship was easy to figure out because you'd hear the Dalek rumbling in the background and stuff like that. So I kind of enjoyed it, but it, I just found it to be very confusing as well. I ended up having to find a transcript of the story online and that helped me follow along with what was going on, which is never a good thing for an audio story when right. you need a, a you know, the, the written out story to follow it. Um, and I agree. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it's, it was, it would be a good story in a different medium. It's just was hard to follow. And especially with all these different Daleks who all sound very similar. I mean, you had a couple different actors who tried to do different voices for them, but yep. Daleks all have that Dalek voice. And so they all sound kind of similar. And it was hard, again, like you said, hard to follow some bits of it. Um, this did come out in, this did come out in 2020 or 2002. So this is still during the hiatus years. Yes. Only about three years before knew who started. So, right. And, uh, you know, there's lots of quotations of Shakespeare and all that sort of stuff throughout it. And, and um, you know, it, it almost felt a little over overbearing at times. Like I mentioned in my recap, you know, Learman like quotes, like literally quotes him at every single opportunity. Like there's yep. there's a quote for of Shakespeare for every occasion and I'll prove it to you. And it's like people really wouldn't talk like that. Like that's just not. She literally answers questions with Shakespeare quotes. Right. And it's just like overbearing. It's kind of, I don't know. It just seems un, un, I mean, it's Doctor Who, so, but unrealistic seems, <laughs> but yep. it just doesn't seem like a, 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 a relatable character trait. It's just kind of weird um, that she well, would they, be the general in charge running Britain. Well, they, they do kind of uh, poke at that too, is when she's, you know, at the end when she's turned into a Dalek, that's all she says is, is Shakespeare quotes. Literally. Yes. Yeah. Because the Daleks promised her that they would create this special uh, time bubble to protect the, Shake- the works of Shakespeare that she, only, she alone would own. And then they interface that with the Dalek shell that they put her into after they converted her. And, and so that's, yeah, that's the, her existence, which, you know, now this obviously predates all the other, uh, Doctor Who appearances, the new Who appearances of yep. Shakespeare, like we get with the with the tenth Doctor mm-hmm. and and that sort of stuff. Um, so uh, it, which is interesting. Shakespeare does show up a number of times throughout mm-hmm. Doctor well, Who. He showed up in, in classic Who as well, if I remember correctly. So yeah, yeah, very briefly, uh, but he does he does show up, right? Um, um, yeah, interesting though. Speaking of, of of predating new Who, um, 
one of the voices of the Daleks is Nicholas Briggs, who right. becomes the voice of the Daleks in New Who. Right. In fact, he's he's the director of this program as well. And mm-hmm. I think, in fact, he was in charge of like running Big Finish and still is, maybe? He was he was one of the, I think he was, if, uh, Jimmy would remember, of course, but he, yeah. I believe he was one of the original founders of Big Finish. Right, right. You know, yeah. He, he was involved in, in all that. Um, yes. Yeah. He, but he's, he's been involved with Big Finish from the beginning, and he does a lot of the alien voices and things like that. Right. He's done Cybermen, Ice Warriors, the Jadoon, Zygons. Yeah, he's very big on voice work like that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Nicholas breaks prominently in this one. Um, so we have this story of uh, Charles, you know, people forgetting Shakespeare and this idea of what would what would the world be like if someone had erased Shakespeare from existence, what would our present day look like? And that's an interesting question. You know, the idea of what, how much influence did Shakespeare have on Western civilization, not just English speaking civilization, but on Western civilization as a whole, uh, pretty dramatic. I mean, for one thing, we wouldn't have a lot of the words we have. (laughs) Yeah. He invented a lot of the English language that we have today. Well, Um, you know, and he's, he's really held up as one of the, the, the great, playwrights of, of all time you know of course i i mean i i'm not an english language expert i'm not you know i i read shakespeare in high school and, and i kind of enjoyed it i mean some of tempest and romeo and juliet of course and yes and it was you know enjoyable enough but it's like is he the greatest ever <clears throat> and all you all of western civilization revolves around him possibly it's yeah, well, you know, this I found the secret for me to enjoy Shakespeare was to watch it. So, and I think that's a mistake a lot of schools make, especially like in high school and in the lower grades, is they have kids read the plays, but it's all in Elizabethan English and it's kind of hard to follow. But if you watch the plays, they're fun. Um, we actually there's a series called um, the the Globe the they've they've built a in in england in in stratford upon avon they've Mm -hmm. built a replica of the globe theater that shakespeare was shakespeare's theater and they've staged plays there and recorded them and they're available streaming and um you know on dvd and blu-ray and uh we used to we got a bunch of them and our kids when they were little really enjoyed them because they can be funny merchant of venice and um is it merchant of venice well not much oh somewhere else i'm thinking of the merry wives of windsor and some others like Mm -hmm. like that those are they're funny and when you see them perform, they are a lot of fun. So uh, yeah. that's what I would say. Yeah. In, um, there's a lot of places that have Shakespearean theaters. And every year in Oregon, the state of Oregon, they, the southern part of the state of Oregon, they have a Shakespeare festival. And it's, mm. I mean, it's a huge thing. People come from all over the world to perform oh, wow. this, to view it. To, you know. And one year we went down from the, se- the seminary when I was out there. And it was fantastic. I mean, we. Yeah. You know, like saw, and of course they they do things with it. Like we saw, like a Romeo and Juliet that was set in modern day, where you know Capulets and Montagues are like you know mob families and things like that. Which <laughs> right, is, fair enough. I mean that that's that's kind of a tradition with Shakespeare as well is to take his work and to put it in different scenarios and different time periods, but not actually change the play. Yeah, it's kind of timeless in the sense that that yeah. Shakespeare, and that's that's one of the things with Shakespeare is his writing about the human condition is timeless. And that's what makes one of the things that makes it so great. Yeah. Um, so, um, and so that's Shakespeare. 
somewhat improbably becomes the rallying cry for this rebellion against this general for whom Shakespeare, she's a big fanboy of. It's kind of um, an odd juxtaposition. I, I didn't quite get why Shakespeare had become this symbol well, for the rebellion. It was the, idea, it was the idea that they were, people were losing it. Like you said in the, in the, the summary, people were losing who he was. And, and especially, in, and I'm sure this is one of these places for us as Americans, Yes, we appreciate Shakespeare as a, a craftsman of the English language and, and for the, the, the amazing work that he did as a playwright, but he's not a national treasure for us yeah. as he would be for those in the UK. Yeah, that's true. You know, it, it'd be like if we said, what do you mean you don't know Mark Twain? Right, right. Or, who's, yeah, and, and Mark Twain would be the an one. issue in our country, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> These, but these, these, these great playwrights of our country, of our time, you know, and, and if, if they were suddenly forgotten that there ever was a Mark Twain. Right. Or George Washington or like these figures that everyone would know and suddenly people are forgetting them. Yeah, yeah that would Lincoln. be weird. Who was this Abraham Lincoln? And what was that Emancipation Proclamation? <laughs> right, right. If people forgot that, man. So, so that's I, the, Yeah. That's the milieu that that's the story that the doctor and Charlie kind of stumble into. And, you know, they, they end up in the in these 2050s. And part of the confusion is like how we, we kind of jump around in time a bit. We start with the Daleks when they're without explanation, when the problem is all beginning. We don't get much of an explanation there. We get it more to the end. And then the problem in the, inside the story is that it starts in the 2050s and goes back to the 1600s. And so that's when the doctor goes to the 2050s. And uh, initially, the doctor is mistaken for a PR expert helping Learman's public relations problems. And um, the real PR guy shows up at the gate while the doctor's talking with the general. And he he says, "Oh, it's just a prank by my colleague McCrimmons." He call, yep. he references, which is a whole reference to Jamie McCrimmon from the Second Doctor's time, which I thought was fun. That was a nice little callback that he came up with. Um, and then um, yeah, there was there is a reference, by the way, in that conversation where the 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 general says she doesn't want Britain to be dragged into the, this United Europe talk, and France and Germany are barely making a single economy work. Again. This is 2002, long before yep. Brexit, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> when well, it, when there was these problems with the well, actually even before the uh, economic problems that they were having with the well, EU the, from from you know yeah from the moment that Britain went into the European Union or affiliated with the European Union, they were they're always kind of a different situation than other right. parts of Europe. But uh, there was always you know kind of dissatisfaction with it that led to Brexit. But but it's interesting, yeah. This is like 2050. And it's after the Euro Wars, so that the European Union has broken up, and they had a big war set of wars, and that's how this general ended up, yeah, in charge of Brit- New Britain. So maybe uh, uh, the UK seceded from <laughs> from the EU in their timeline, and uh, had they had a civil war over it, maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so. Um, I'm trying to think of like the best way to address this again. It's so timey wimey. There's not a whole lot to talk about. There's a lot of running around that happens. Well, well, not just time running around and timey wimey, but also so these, these mirrors become portals. And that's the whole, the whole principle of this time machine is supposedly 
the mirrors will reflect into alternate universes that move at different times. Right. Right. So they sync the times, go to through this portal, which they'll then take them back to their their world in different time at different times. Right. It's really confusing. And then they use the portals to do like inter room and inter building travel. Not through time, but through places. Yeah. Yeah. It gets really, and that's where, that's where the confusion comes in. And again, this is where more of the visual aspect would, would work better. Yeah. To actually see them go through the portal to another place, you know? Right. Oh, the mirror is getting foggy. And oh, now look, you can tell now there's a portal there, you know? And they have to describe everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the the mechanics of the portals is that they were made of mirrors and clocks. Like there was a whole mirrors and clocks thing, and there was a master clock, and it wasn't working. And by the way, they used mirrors for time travel in the second Doctor story, The Evil of the Daleks, if you remember that Mm -hmm. one. That was the first uh, Dalek time travel story. Um, And I think it was the... um, No, it wasn't the first one where they're on Earth. That's the Dalek master plan. Um, But it was... uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, they did use mirrors in that one, so I think that's maybe what they're basing this off of. But it worked better in that, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was it was just strange. And then, of course, it as the doctor points out, you know, you need both the physical components like the master clock and the chroniton particles, which, oh right. by the way, Charlie provides, right by her. But if you don't have one, you can't have the other. You won't have the other. It's like you know the chicken and the egg. Which came first, the the equipment to produce the particles or the particles allowing the equipment to work? Yes, exactly. So yeah, that it it's a very um, it's again it, 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 part of it depends on the fact that you have to know what was going on with Charlie beforehand. So you have to have been yep. listening to the Eighth Doctor stories up to this point. So it's there's an arc that they're that they're exploring. Yeah. And this and this and she doesn't know until the end of this story that she's the one that's causing all the time problems that they've encountered in previous stories. Right. Because he's been her keeping being it pulled her. out of the yeah. wreck of the the uh airship caused a time paradox that the doctor is fighting against to keep her alive. Right, cuz she was supposed to die in the wreck of the R19, I think it is, or something R101. like that. R101. R101. Yeah, 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 R101. Yeah, that, and so her, him saving her has created this time paradox, and she's, and so time is weird around her. And so she's the reason why this was working. In fact, at one point, the Daleks take Charlie to, to ensure the doctor's uh, compliance, and he's like, um, she's, she's really more need- important to this than, than they realize. Uh, I kind of need her. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and as usual, the doctor is forced to work for them. I mean, that's the thing that happens. The the Daleks make the doctor uh, work for them to to complete whatever their plan is, and he pretends to do so until he can sabotage and escape. Um, there. Speaking of other things, like previous stories that had connections to this one, in the the one we recently did called Invaders from Mars, mm-hmm. the Eighth Doctor story. That had Orson Welles not recognizing who William Shakespeare is, um, right. which seemed weird in that one, but that's being paid off here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that is one thing, you know, of course, we're covering very little big finish. Um, we're we're kind of skimming through it. Yeah. Um, but they do kind of tie into their own stories as well. They're willing to, especially in these, these they used to call it the main line, where it was, you know, eighth doctor stories kind of continuing on. 
right. so on, you know, in, in a, a regular, you know, like the series did and does now again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, but then that arc, I mean, you could say the seventh doctor kind of had an arc with what he was doing with um, uh, Ace. And, you know, you could say that there were arcs in classic who, but this is much more of a very strong through line than I think we've, yep. that I've seen in classic who so far. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Apart very, from, we see it more in new who where, they, you know, they'd always make sure to, they'd have the season long arc and they'd always make sure that every episode had a little something. Right. Even if the episode had nothing to do with the main arc, you know, they yeah. have a little something they'd throw in there, like at the end or the beginning to kind of connect to that main arc. Right. Like the bad wolf season in the ninth doctor. Yep. Yeah. Or the cracks that would show up. The cracks in time. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, the, so the, this is a whole story of Viola, who is the general's niece, who's working with the rebels as, uh, you know, that she's in on it and they're trying to undermine her and overthrow her. And, uh, they, uh, they launch this attack. And so there's a lot of fighting and attacks and people getting hurt. And they, they try to attack the nuclear reactor to shut it down so they can't power the, the time machine and the Daleks are depending on it as well. Cause it's powering this time tunnel to the time vortex where their fleet is stuck. Yep. And so they're trying to, so the doctor knows that if they collapse the time tunnel, the time corridor, it will trap the Dalek fleet in the time vortex, which, you know, destroyed, but of course they never, they're never destroyed. The Daleks never, never get destroyed. You know, yes. The Imperial Dalek that shows up all the time and, Yes, exactly. Um, at one point, the doctor uses aluminum foil as a makeshift mirror to portal out of a room. I thought that was uh, a clever use of some uh, reflective material. Um, and uh, the the boy, we should mention, we mentioned the boy. We talk a little bit more about him. So there's this boy that keeps showing up in all these scenes. And it, you know, it was kind of weird. Like, what's this boy doing there? Like, what's this? Mm-hmm. This seems like a, a superfluous character. Well, it turns out that the boy is William Shakespeare as a boy who's been yep. brought forward by Viola to save him. But in fact, that's what one of the things that causes the problem is he's no longer in his time. And it's been exactly. causing this, this the people to forget people him. Are for, people are forgetting him because instead of him growing up and living his life in his time, he's in modern time or future for us, but in 2050. Right. And do they do they ever send him back at the end? The doctor takes him back. Yeah, that's right. He, they end up in the TARDIS and the doctor takes him back. Presumably he doesn't remember anything. <laughs> or maybe he does and that's how all his stories comes from. Yeah. Although <laughs> uh, when we get to the 10th doctor and uh and and uh Martha Jones vis- visiting with him he doesn't remember the doctor. They've they've kind of left this story they out apparently, so um, which is fine. It would have been too weird to try to connect it in. Um, so, yeah, Learman has decided that Shakespeare must die, even though she loves and esteems him because he's become a figurehead from the rebels. And so the Daleks will ensure that only Learman will remember Shakespeare, as she thinks she's the only one who can truly understand and appreciate him. She is the ultimate toxic fan. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I was kind of looking at it, go. Yeah, that's pretty much toxic fandom. Like nobody else can appreciate this fandom, and so therefore it must be destroyed. And only I am allowed to remember it. <laughs> kind of like the the Stephen King movie Misery. Yes, yeah. She's like the yeah the character in Misery. Right? <laughs> you know, same kind of deal of only I can keep you, and you will write for me, and you know that kind of deal. Right, right. 
Um, so yeah, that was I, I, I was thinking that. I mean, that, when this was came out, toxic fandom wasn't yet a thing like it is today. But but certainly, it kind of is it wasn't quite to the level it is today. It, it definitely did exist, but yeah, definitely yeah. not to this level. Not to the yeah. So um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else. Like the the Blearman getting converted to becoming a Dalek was kind of uh, horrific and wild. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, that, they they described it where she literally turned from you know a human to the little blob with the tentacles, and the one the one Dalek who screwed up he got he got killed basically he got disconnected and killed, and then she was thrown in his place. Yeah, so that was yeah that's a bit of body horror. Uh, you know, uh, ugh, to think about um, anything else. The I mean, we we end with the unresolved status of Charlie. I mean, the story ends. Yeah sort of cliffhangered where we, you know, the, the doctor now has to figure out what to do about what's going on with Charlie. Exactly. Uh, and we have this narrator at the beginning, as we hear the Daleks going through their problem, this narrator, you know, giving quotes from Shakespeare and some other things. It will turn out that for him to be Rassilon in a, in a upcoming eighth doctor story, it'll be revealed that that was Rassilon, but uh, mm-hmm. it's not really relevant to this story. Um, you know, one, one thing that you see through this is people shift in their understanding of, of time, if you will. You know, basically they, they remember Shakespeare. They remember why they're fighting. They, they remember that the Daleks haven't been controlling the world. And then all of a sudden they don't remember Shakespeare and the Daleks have always controlled the world. Right. And that's showing the, the, the ripples of time. And I like the, one, there's a phrase that the doctor uses twice. He talks about possibility crystallized into probability and hardens into certainty. That was a good line. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it really linked from one to the net, you know, and that showed how this time changed. You know, it went from a li- from just a few people understanding or, you know, losing understanding of Shakespeare to more to, of course, the idea was eventually no one would remember Shakespeare and the Daleks would always rule the world. That was their plan. Right. Right. That's true. Yeah, that was that was that was a good explanation of how time changes. I like that, like yep. the, the the crystallization from probability to certainty. Uh, that was possibility or probability to certainty. That yeah. was a good one. And then I, I got a kick out of the uh, the Daleks providing snacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the you you can always you always should worry when there are nice Daleks who seem to be cooperative and friendly because there's. There's something wrong there. Uh, yeah, which exactly. Is, yeah, that's we've seen that in uh, in live action in, in New Who. Um, so, all right. Um, so I think that about does it for this story. There's not much more to say from, from my point of view. Did you have other uh, points you wanted to make on it? Nope that was that was it. So we do have some feedback I'd like to get to. Uh, some listener feedback from our recent episode on the King's Demons. And uh, the first feedback comes from Steven on Twitter, who said, I always thought it was a bad idea to show Chameleon's true form. They should have just kept it a mystery and had him shift from persona to persona. Plus, it would have been cheaper and less cheesy to show his ro- than to show his robotic form. Nice attempt by the team, I must say. Just fell flat. Yeah, well, I think they, they, they wanted to show him the doctor. They wanted to show the doctor freeing him from having to be a chameleon. Yeah, know, that he could decide for himself. Um, and, uh, it didn't work well. I mean, again, because we've got, we've talked about it multiple times where the the prop just did not work. They should have just, yeah. You know, it's something they could do today, obviously with CGI, 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, a stand in human in a you know green suit or whatever. Exactly. Very That's easy to do. Yeah. But at the time that was it, the technology just wasn't there. Yeah. They should have done like a Brent Spiner as data in body paint, you know, as it, as the chameleon in between personas. Exactly. Uh, or, or, you know, you put on, you know, some plastic suit, you know, outfit that armor basically that made it look like he was a robot. Yeah. There's ways they could have done that, but they, I think they got a little too ambitious and it just didn't work out. Their reach exceeded their grasp as the saying goes. Uh, Our next feedback is from Robert Hawkins on YouTube who writes, my only problem is that the King's demons isn't accurate history at all. Yes. King John was not the worst King of all time, but he was a lousy King at best. And no, he hated Magna Carta, but was in no position to do anything about it. Although he tried several times throughout his reign, the doctor's statements about how King John are wild about King John are wildly inaccurate. Sorry, master's degree history teacher complaining here. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. I, I'll take your word for it. Uh, I, I did. I do know a little bit about the history of King John, and yeah, he was not a great king by any stretch. Well, there, and the, you know, of course, they they've got their own. Uh, the English have their own uh, their own history, history, if you will. <laughs> you know, they, they 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 they've got their own stories about how history went. So yes, yes. Uh, Radical Edward on Discord. I think a character like Chameleon could work with today's technology. We could motion capture an actor and create a character with CGI like they've done with Gollum in Lord of the Rings, Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen, and Groot in Rocket Raccoon in the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it'd be a welcome change of pace from Companion from Present Day Earth number 34. Yeah. You know, yeah. it would be nice to have some variety in the Doctor's, in the, the new Who Doctor Companions, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and, and to do something that is just a little different. That is just, you know, even wildly different. Let's bring back canine or something like that. You know, something that's (laughs) something that's just completely different. That was that was what canine was so refreshing was. Yeah, it was a companion that wasn't a human being. It wasn't even a living being. It was a a robot. Right. A 17th century Scotsman, a, you know, a a, a young woman from the 22nd, 23rd century or whatever Zoe was. I mean, there are lots of opportunities for doing something a little different, even another Time Lord. Yeah. yeah, go go with or go someplace from you know history of Africa during the colonies or you know somewhere else on Earth. Of, yeah, lots of things they could do. You know, right? They need to. Yeah, they need to do a better job of that. Uh, Mark Gilly is 1970 on YouTube. Writes to save the tomb of Christ our Lord. We'll put the whole world to the sword. The verse of that song stuck with me all these years since I first saw this in '87. Uh, this was the song that King John sings at the banquet and yep. uh, about the crusade. Then uh, finally, the the account is the Cloister Bell: A Journey Through Time and Space on YouTube. Hey guys, I listened to this on Spotify and then watched the story again last night with my son. I must have watched this a hundred times over the years. Davison is my favorite. Great review. I always thought that showing Chameleon's true form was a mistake. Animatronics was quite primitive at the time, so using him was a bad move on uh, Johnny uh, Turner's part. Chameleon could have been an incredibly useful companion if written properly. Too bad no one knew what to do with him, like forgetting about him completely when the the tractators did their thing with the TARDIS. I didn't know that our Silver Friends creator had died, so thank you for that. Any idea where Chameleon is now? I don't know if it was ever on display anywhere in the years following Planet of Fire. Cheers from Canada. I think they actually destroyed it for real. I mean, like when... (laughs) It got destroyed on screen. I think they destroyed it for real. I, I, think they, I think they wanted to completely forget the thing ever existed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, think if you yeah. think if the prop existed today, it would show up either. It'd be you know, somewhere. Yeah. You, you, we would know it, it's in private collection or 
it'd be in a museum somewhere. Cause I mean, there's the, the, what is it? The, uh, experience museum in, in Seattle has an actual Dalek from the seventh doctor story. Remember oh, wow. from the Daleks. You know, nice. It's on yeah. display. So these props are still out there if they exist, but I think there's a BBC an official BBC doctor Who museum in Wales at the BBC Wales where they make Could modern be. who. Uh, so, um, but yeah, yeah, it's, he's probably long gone. <laughs> Good riddance. So that's all of our feedback. And uh, right now we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons and make it possible for us to create the secrets of Dr. Who, including Regina S, Cynthia B, Philip D, James C and Kyle M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Dr. Who and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Simon Yannick, who edited this episode for us. So that's it from us for this time. We would know, love to know what you think of the time of the Daleks. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can now watch The Secrets of Doctor Who in full video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the fourth Doctor story, The Stones of Blood. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. Well, thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, a brave new Britain that has such people in it. (laughs) 